PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Hello, few, and welcome back to the pod. Hello, Nota. Glad to be here as always. And uh, I should probably start this as a running question, but how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Um, it is uh, 11.51 p.m. <laughs> okay, so what I heard there is could be better, but uh, that's okay. We'll take you where you are. You know, that's the point of the pod. Yep. <laughs> All right, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be talking about the topic that we have today, which is collapse, which is, uh, mm -hmm. again, another place where I think we meet people a lot on the sub. Yeah, yeah. So shall we define what collapse is? Uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as I understand, it's it's a really bad place when your defences have crumbled. Um, and you're faced with uh, your inner pain without your usual cushioning to help you cope. Yeah, I think that's uh, exactly correct. Uh, I've kind of written about it fancifully in uh, some places, but I mean, I think that with collapse, it's kind of like when other things break. When things are working well, you barely notice them. You take it for granted. You know, your car gets you to work, your phone, you press the buttons, it does the thing. And so you can just happily go along and you can project all sorts of things into spaces, uh, delusions, desires, and nobody challenges you because everything's working the way it's supposed to. But then when something breaks... And all of a sudden, you can't just do the things you were doing before. And all of a sudden, you got to look at them. And then you got to think, well, how does this thing actually work? How do I make it function again? And when the thing that breaks is your psychology uh, or your mm. behaviors and how you act in the world. And for the first time, you kind of got to look at yourself and be like, well, what are the parts here? And how do I make it work again? And when you have no idea that that's what's happening or how to uh, fit those pieces into one another, it can be a profoundly agonizing and ter existentially terrifying place yeah, to be. Yeah, terrifying, isn't it? Yes, because um, you do fall apart. I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? You you fall apart and um, you're kind of scrabbling around as sort of a, a shapeless thing trying to make sense of the world and trying to take a step forward and, and not really able to. So, yeah. And um, actually, I think, is it NPD has the highest uh, suicide rate for any of the personality disorders? I'm not, entirely, I'm not entirely certain. I think that um, 
I haven't looked uh, into the studies of which ones are reputable, but I do think that one of the things that I've seen with MPD is uh, of people who do attempts that they're relatively higher on successful attempts or mm. um, they can be very attention seeking or prone with some attempts, but uh, when they actually go for it, um, they really go for it. So I think uh, there is definitely something there. Um, I feel like I would uh, like to be able to talk to some people who have had that kind of ideation or been in that space before, before I can say that I think I have kind of a personal grip on it. I want to be able to know the real, but that's obviously a, uh, a very personal and painful place to be in. And so uh, it's kind of hard to be able to access that with people regularly. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, I've actually, I've got a, a study and I'll just read this one sentence, which is NPD is associated with greater risk of suicide death when compared to other personality disorders. So yeah, um, it is actually a serious state to be in. Um, and so we're on the internet forum and people um, often come there for the first time feeling very desperate. So uh, we were going to talk about how that feels, um, so sharing some a few people's experiences of that and then uh, what what has helped. So a few people have, have given uh, ideas of what has helped and we thought we'd kind of start this whole pod rolling along with a more positive uh, episode like that where we can kind of talk about what this is but put out that, yes, you can get through it and put out some of those ways that you can, uh, that you can use to get through it. So, um, Fiu, do you want to talk about your experiences with Collapse? Yeah, absolutely. But I guess uh, thank you for uh, reminding me that, you know, we should give people some optimism and rays of hope. And so one of the things I guess I'll say as Borderline, who's collapsed uh, more than once, is that <laughs> one of the things that makes it much easier and more bearable is when you actually do understand what's happening and you know how your own feelings are going to move over time. Um, I think that even for healthy people, you know, adversity still happens. Um, it's how you interpret that adversity and how you understand yourself and how much of a positive and stable and adaptive structure that you have that allows you to confront those moments that feel like they're going to completely annihilate you, um, but you actually have something to fall back on, a sturdy foundation or a sense of purpose and worthwhileness that lets you know that whatever is difficult, uh, there will be something on the other side of it. And so part of what sharing experiences of being through collapses or uh, identifying with other people is that uh, you can see that, oh, well, this isn't the, the end of the story just when it happens or trying to fight your way through it. And you can actually see other people who have been at the other end and can show you the light at the end of the tunnel. And you're like, right, maybe there is a reason, or maybe I can trust you when you say, don't check out just quite yet, or don't give up all hope. There's a reason to put your head down and keep doing the calm, quiet work to mm. get yourself through it. Yeah. Yeah. Because at times you do just need something to hang on to, <laughs> you know, no matter how small, just one thing to really grip onto and, and keep you going through it. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess to be, um, so now to that positivity out there, um, just to talk about my own collapses. Um, so very uh, unsurprisingly, I think, uh, I collapse the most when I run into situations that are reminiscent of a lot of my childhood triggers. Uh, so uh, toxic romantic entanglements, invalidation, uh, feeling like people trigger the wrathful side of me that I usually try to keep in check. Um, I mean, it leaks out sometimes. And again, as I've said on uh, another episode, sometimes I can even be aggressive on the forums, which is a double-edged and very dicey sword to wield when you're sifting through people's pain and vulnerability already. Um, I think there's a place for it. And that's something that I need to sharpen up in myself. But um, especially uh, for me, I think the collapse can come uh, when a difficult situation arises and I feel like it is vital for me to meet that situation, no matter the cost. And then mm-hmm. once I have uh, met that, if I fail to meet that situation, then I stay kind of, uh, I would say that's when I split and I start firing on all cylinders, trying to oh, yeah. defeat <laughs> the thing that is uh, triggering me or that has mm. uh, broad adversity to my doorstep and then I collapse afterwards because of the exhaustion. Yeah. Well, I would be interested to know how many times collapse in everybody is triggered by rejection Mm. because that's that's just (laughs) – that was for me a major trigger and I used to feel that I've tried so hard, just so, so hard, and it still happened and then I just lose all hope for a while. That that was – yeah, that was a big trigger and I think it is – I think it is for a lot of the people that visit the forum, um, you know, some kind of uh, destruction in a relationship, you know, someone uh, leaves, you know, it goes downhill and, and a relationship ends, it's it's nasty, it's hurtful and, and people feel, yeah, unwanted again. I guess that that kind of thing takes you back to that original feeling um, that I think underlies and causes the disorders is that deep sense of rejection um, from when, you know, from before we can remember that made us uh, doubt who we were and and start hiding and trying to adapt and change and, and be uh, that persona that, um, that met with approval. Um, so yeah, to me, that's why the rejection is a, a really powerful trigger. Um, and yeah, we do get people who really have lost hope um, and do say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to commit suicide, but I am wondering why I'm keeping on going." Or, you know, why people talk about why would I have a relationship? I don't think I'm good for them. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to bother anymore. I'll just be alone, which is really, really sad, actually. Um, there are so many uh, fantastic points that I could take up there. But uh, I think I want to take a risky uh, stab deeper because um, there's collapse when we talk about rejection and abandonment or being in difficult situations. And then there's collapse when um, something that maybe you thought was okay, like, or 
something that you are unaware of suddenly gets brought to your attention. Um, like, you know, maybe you thought that navigating the world as a powerful person by being able to lie, overpower, cheat, abuse, sabotage was a good way to get through things or something that made you feel good or it's just something that you did um, just naturally um, kind of breathing air and then suddenly the consequences catch up to you and all the uh, alternate reality and grandiosity and entitlement that you have uh, it just everything that you before thought was powerful and strong and you're living the high life is now suddenly the source of your shame and your pain and your social opprobrium and that is an almost almost unimaginable place to be in to actually feel that um correctly accurately without distortions you almost need to delude yourself that it's something else to not have your sanity break and I think that that's something where, again, in terms of being even more vulnerable of, well, there are clearly people who do things that will lead them into scenarios where they collapse like this. And how do you speak to somebody who's like, well, I can't even bear the shame of having my uh, misdeeds put out there in the open? Uh, let alone trying to think of how to survive this, like looking at it head first and then build past it. And I think that that's something where people who are narcissistic, antisocial, uh, sociopathic, um, you actually do need to give them something positive to cling to. You need to give them something that they can actually build on that isn't just mm -hmm. negative because that's already what brought them here was some of the things that they were doing was blind destruction. Okay, and so how many people have you dealt with in that in that state? I mean, that's a pretty yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've seen it a couple times. I've four seen it coming in people who I've had to distance myself from because I was like, right, I know how that's going to end, and I'm getting the fuck <laughs> out of the blast zone. Um, <laughs> you know, I. Sometimes mm. you have to protect yourself, unfortunately. Um, but it it's an intuition that I have. And there's a couple people who I've been able to um, slowly start to chip away at that place with. And it's something that I'm still interested in exploring further. So, I mean, you're catching me very much at the beginning of this journey and trying to think about how to reason in this space. But I wanted to just put that out there for the people who are like two borderlines just going on about like rejection and abandonment. They don't really get me. And it's like, okay, all right, all right, all right guys. You, for, for, for other people from other perspectives, like, no, we're trying to bring everybody into the tent here and uh, figure out what to do. So I thought that was important to put there. Hey, really, really good point. Yeah. Because it's compulsive, isn't it? It's compulsive behavior. Um, and, yes. and there is, people talk about becoming self-aware, like before you know you have a disorder and, oh, it's normal to you what you're doing uh, and you don't see that you're hurting other people. Um, you can't understand them. You don't know why they do what they do, but you think what you do is okay. Uh, and then you you kind of, you're either told, like in my case, or, you know, you, you grow an awareness and, and suddenly you see that what you thought and what you did 
are not as you thought um, and, and maybe they're not okay. Um, it is really shameful. So, um, yeah, yeah, very difficult to, um, yeah, to, to face that stuff, to admit that stuff about yourself. Um, and, yeah, that, that it's a crisis, isn't it? I mean, a collapse is a crisis. And, Abs- yeah. Absolutely. And I think something that I want to put in here, um, so, again, kind of just like bringing the conversation down to the level of the real is sometimes uh, people will say, well, like, why doesn't this person listen or why can't they change or why can't they just do the simple thing or um, like, why can't they just see what they're doing? Um, Or like, if I provide help, why can't they accept my help? Like I'm willing to accept them and they reject you even more violently. Um, And the reason for that is when you're trying to bring to somebody's awareness, things that they're unaware of or the way that they've been living right now, you're not just asking them to say, be honest with you now, or to do better in the future. You're asking them to look at the entirety of their life and say, I've made wrong decisions. I've built my identity and my future on shaky foundations, on things that I didn't even understand about myself. You're asking me to invalidate huge swaths of myself and my history just for your dumb fuck ass who's telling me, oh, I should just be nicer to you. Like the enormity of what you're asking somebody when you even ask them to make what you think are changes for their benefit or um, for the benefit of you two as a pair or whatever relationship you're fostering is uh, it's a larger ask than you might think that it is. It's uh, it is a potential trigger for collapse is to show the person those broken parts of their psyche that they can't see. Yeah, I don't want to see those. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them away, that. <laughs> see that bin over there in the corner? That's where they belong. <laughs> yeah, so oh. I, I, think, I think sometimes, you know, it's uh, before you can bring things to somebody's attention, you do have to build a relationship and give them a reason to think mm. that they can trust you and that it's safe. Um Otherwise, um, to presume that you're in the powerful position to point out somebody else's brokenness and then you're not going to stick around for the cleanup or the solution. Enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my bad. Yeah, so moving along. I'm moving along. Um, (laughs) Okay, I've gone back and I did actually have a bad time last year. Uh, yeah, at the time I really, really went down. Um, so the text, um, I texted my psychologist and yeah, this was in the evening. I'd already been to see her and told her what had happened to me. And I remember saying to her, why have a heart when it can be hurt so badly? Mm. Um, and then in the evening I started to have old feelings of wanting to self-harm Um, which I hadn't had for years and years. And um, I sent her this, going to emergency department, I've brought myself into danger. So hard to have any self-respect, feel I'm cracking up, going to hospital now, stupid, hateful fool I am, too strange to fit into this world, always have been silly to try to pretend to be normal. And, yeah, I went into the emergency department And I spoke to a doctor who was really, really good, and he actually said to me that um, up to half of the presentations in the emergency department 
are generally psychiatric. So he, he just said, it's totally fine, you're here, this is good that you've come, this is the right place. And he just talked me through my feelings over maybe an hour and I calmed down and I actually did that twice in one week and that really, really helped. And the other thing I did which I hadn't normally done before was I went round to everybody in my work afterwards <laughs> that I knew was sympathetic to me and I told them a bit and I didn't quite cry on their shoulder but I kind of really opened up and I got heaps of sympathy and it really, really worked. So, yeah, that was yeah, quite amazing. It's, it's ironic that um, you feel like you have to hide yourself the most of those moments when you're kind of broken or down in the dumps but then those are also the moments that you most need other people to uh, kind of come in and intercede on your own behalf and uh, show you kindness and sympathy or empathy or kind of like that doctor um, help you explain your own mind to contextualize what you're going through and be like, oh, okay, right. Like this, this is fine. Like sometimes you get into that self-absorbed mindset and your own pain is the only thing you see. And you need other people to either validate, help shoulder it, uh, put it into a broader perspective. So uh, that's uh, yeah. some really good points to share. It, it's almost like they take those feelings of yours when you are just unable to deal with them and and just sort of uh, make sense out of them and give them back to you and, and you know, with them untangled and and you feel a lot more peaceful, I think, just in those moments. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, a big part of what relationships and friendships are so important for people for is uh, it's not even about material or emotional or social advantages, which is something, you know, you can get uh, trapped into if you see the world in a bit more of an impoverished way. But there's just a benefit of... Uh, being able to have people who can inform you of your blind spots, that you trust uh, their perspective and what they will do with what you share with them. And so when they can say, oh, well, you missed this. And, you know, the person doesn't have to be a genius. They don't have to be a doctor. They don't have to um, be in a superior position to you. Just even amongst peers and equals to just have that friend who's just like, you know, uh, the person who cares about you is the person where, you know, you walk up with your fly hanging low and they say, hey, Superman's flying low today. And it's uh, <laughs> like, it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to uh, to do that. But we, we need the people who are close to us who will point mm. out those things that we don't see versus it's the strangers on the street who kind of just smirk and keep on walking because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, and they hold us, don't they? They hold us in those times. Not that I'm very good at opening up, but <laughs> allegedly <laughs> they do. No, it has happened to me. <laughs> and that did, yeah, <laughs> that really, really helped me. Um, and also um, one person has shared their journal with us. So they, uh, they were diagnosed with both uh, narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. And oh, gosh, that, that would be very hard, of course, to come to terms with. And they had a great big collapse and wrote down how it was and sort of the fluctuations in their, in their state of mind. So they wrote, um, not accepting and hoping for euthanasia 
record, shit, NPD, ASPD. Are you kidding me? Anger, denial, more anger, more denial, suddenly being proud of all that. Fuck all of you. Oh, I got a backlash. Euthanasia. More realizations. Yeah, NPD. I'm in the house, bitches. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm back. Gosh, I've really got it this time. Fuck yeah. Oh no. Fucking shite. I can't leave the house ever again. Accepting, journaling, understanding, acceptance. Fuck, I am nobody but so many. Foster your interests. Read any book. Nice. What now? Read more. Do something. More journaling. Accepting that this life is just what it is. And then they found the forum. And oh, I'm not the only one who experiences this. Talking to others, reading their comments, finding more books, seeing more perspectives, and going on Zoom calls with all the other narcs. Interesting. And then this person really did have breakthroughs in in uh, finding other people who were like them, having the same struggles and really starting to connect, finding the forum, seeing that I'm not special and everybody has these experiences, everyone with NPD that is, oh, wow, I'm not alone with all this shit. Oh, no, these people hate me. Quick, delete the account. Make a new account. <laughs> Everything's good, man. Talking to other narcs, reading the comments. Oh, these people hate me. Delete that account. Oh, wow. I'm not alone with all of this. Uh, talking to other narcs on the phone. Wow. Supply, unmasked supply. And saying, that one changed it for me. To be accepted, even without my mask, having a blast with them without a mask and not being offended by them either. Just naked dancing with the disordered, <laughs> which is gorgeous. <laughs> Still crying, accepting, thinking someone should shoot me. Yeah, NPD, but it is more stable now, which I think that was pretty gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. That was a whole roller coaster ride, and I don't think I'm quite off of it yet. Um, that's, <laughs> oh, there's so many things to kind of sink your teeth into there. So, I mean, I guess one thing is, um, one of the selling points that I try to give to people of getting to a place of greater function and order is uh, being able to sit in a place where you don't have to move so chaotically. And exactly, you could hear even particularly in the beginning with the diagnosis there and kind of like finally having that intrude upon you and your mind just racing around every direction and opportunity. Does this make me good? bad, superior, inferior. What am I going to do about it? I need to hide from it. I can't do anything about it. Um, there's a way that you're trying to race in every different contradictory direction to try to figure out, well, how do I incorporate this into who I am and into my identity? How do I brave the world now knowing that this is who I am? Braving and facing that diagnosis, as I said, with collapse, showing you those broken parts of yourself. So now that you're trying to fix or repair those parts or trying to uphold your psyche again, you have to decide, okay, so the things that have brought me to this point or this diagnosis or these painful things, how do I now brave the world again, knowing that they're going to be there? They're going to be a part of what I put out in the world. Who am I who is... Uh, narcissistic and antisocial and it's expressed well or do I even care or and who are the people who can hold open space for me in the collapse 
there's actually a lot of power that comes because you the things that you've taken for granted, the way you've been so far in your unawareness or your just not knowing any better, now all of a sudden you have these big questions of what am I going to do with these structures? What is this new thing that I'm going to build and what is it going to look like in the future? And you can hear that anxiety and that fearfulness of how they're going to make those decisions uh, all throughout, but particularly in the beginning of some of that material that you shared. And that's something that is optimistically, if you were uh, nurtured and raised and kind of went through the ideal quote unquote childhood, you would have some more stable structures. You'd know yourself more deeply. You'd have people who'd already given you the feedbacks. You wouldn't be getting blindsided to these big revelations of yourself. Um, When you're disordered, when you have to kind of start doing that as an adult and the stakes are so much higher, it leads to some of that tumult that you just heard. I mean, I'm still somewhat floored and trying to empathize um, with what I heard that person say. And I mean, it's difficult to almost contemplate the experience even secondhand, what I feels like I can pick up from them. So just Mm. uh, to be the person who is in that situation, I just want to acknowledge uh, what that must have felt like for you and does feel like for you. Mm, And pretty brave to put it here. With us. What about yeah. you with your diagnosis? How did you go? How did you get yours? Right. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, I'll talk about one of my own collapses. And uh, it picks up from what I shared in my episode about uh, that time where I made a revelation with my mother and it wasn't received well. And I was already at a low point in my life. And to be honest, like not to, again, be only the victim, I'd also made some dumb decisions and I'd had some of my own flaws and behaviors and repetition compulsions forced into my face, but I didn't even understand any of those concepts at the time. And so my mind kind of broke under the weight of all the things that were happening. And uh, I went to my grandparents' uh, place for about two years and was severely depressed. And about a year into that is uh, when my long-term partner of the time uh, broke up with me, you know, bless her heart, (laughs) she stayed with me. Uh, while I was catatonic and depressed for a year, doing nothing in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And uh, she threw in the towel when she came to visit, and I was cruel to her um, because I was being cruel to myself and because, you know, I had given up or, you know, I didn't see anything positive at the time and I was out of touch with myself. And so she came to visit and, you know, condescending and withholding and pushing her away. And it's not that I even felt those things. Um, You know, I still needed her. This is, uh, this is one of those things where when you're disordered and sometimes you need uh, a target of persecution, but you also need them to uphold your psyche. So, you know, she, Uh, cut the cord, which she should have, which was a good decision on her part. And, you know, that made me suicidal. I was just sort of like, all right, well, I guess I'm done now. Like, uh, it's 
uh, really got nothing else. And uh, so she called the police and, you know, they came by and, you know, I played it off well enough that I wasn't uh, forcefully admitted, but uh, I did go uh, to an inpatient mental health unit for a week at that time. And that was where I got my diagnosis of being borderline when I was 20 or 21. And oh, uh, that's quite young, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I guess that uh, is about the earliest you can get a diagnosis for mm. a personality disorder. Like, you know, uh, young adults, like 17, 18, like you're not supposed to diagnose people before that. So, yeah, I guess when uh, I didn't even quite think about that, like this has been... Um, I guess in a way that's uh, it's quite young that it's also a bit of a blessing because it means that uh, I was able to incorporate this earlier and kind of had mm. less to lose already by facing up to that circumstance. Because mm. I was thinking there's also the collapse of your own um, belief about yourself, isn't there, when you're faced mm -hmm. with a diagnosis? Um, your your Yeah, you collapse in terms of your psychology but also your your belief in yourself collapses and that's that's pretty difficult yeah absolutely and um you know it's uh again it, there's something useful or powerful of coming to that diagnosis at rock bottom at a younger age when you kind of uh, have relatively less um that you're losing by indulging or integrating this as opposed to say you know sometimes we see on the forums people coming in being like you know i'm a mother or i'm a father and i finally come to this realization and it's uh you know you have a job you have responsibilities and then something happens that brings this to to you um it, it's mm, interesting wait. because yeah, you've got less space to be able to work through it haven't you when you've got a lot of uh responsibilities yeah, I mean, it's ironic that you maybe have more skills or you have more things to lean on, like more things you've accrued by that point. Like when you're younger, it's you're more out of control because you don't know what's happening. But at the same time, you're you're kind of in a bit of a cage now, aren't you? Like those things that you have and that you've built up are also the things that are uh, now keeping you pinned down to a degree. So, yeah, it's mm. uh, that's actually uh, a really good observation of you, Nota, to... Uh, to point that out about when you Thank get you. the diagnosis and collapse. Okay, so I'd like to ask you what has helped you get through collapses. And I believe one thing you said was experience doing it many <laughs> times. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm getting good at this, having collapses. Yeah, you know, just mastery. So to anybody who wants to know uh, how to be able to survive the dissolution of yourself or psyche in some way, just go do it a lot. And uh, it won't <laughs> fuck up your life that badly. It'll uh, outweigh the negatives. Yeah, no. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, being an old hand at it is uh, regrettable. That is true, helpful. though. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> It is true, though, isn't it? Like, you, once you've done, you know, been, you know, you get to a certain age and you go, oh, yes, been here before, and you you kind of get your fingernails and dig them into the ground and just sort of claw your way along slowly, knowing that you will end up on the other side. Yeah, and I think that this yep. is something where, to our disservice, that um, a lot of our society that there's less spaces for narratives and stories sometimes and authentic mentorship, because those would be things where um, you could have a structure to understand what's happening to you. If you have more fluency and how to play with things as 
well, here is how to approach this experience through a medium that isn't as threatening. Um, there was just somebody who I was talking with lately where I actually drew to their attention something personal that they shared with me. And I actually made, tried to draw to, uh, point out to them that they were less lonely than they thought because it was mentioned in this show. And I was like, well, if it's here in the show, it must have happened to somebody else or it must have happened mm. enough times that they thought it would be useful to put this out here. So this is a way in which you can use arts and narrative and stories to actually look back into yourself and kind of order out the chaos a little bit. And we don't teach that skill as much, um, or it seems like there's a lack of it. And that's really something that does help you get through collapses is uh, to figure out how to give meaning to things or to relate it to other things or to not be alone. I think that those are all key aspects of getting out. And to also share, I guess, more of my experience, like I am some of the positive, I have had a lot of very lucky breaks of having met people at the right times who were beneficial and nourishing for me and people who encouraged me in some ways and kind of complicated also being as thick skinned as I am about receiving nurturance and guidance and kind of who I let in and how close I let them be to me. But I Are you suggesting that disordered people are not that good <laughs> at uh, allowing in love and nurture? Oh, I know. Crazy, right? Just news at 11. <laughs> so uh, send the detectives home. We figured it out. Um, yeah, but I would be remiss if I did not uh, show acknowledgement and gratitude to some of the people who I have had. And that's just uh, another insight that I have of dealing with disordered people. Um that sometimes there are positive experiences that have to happen for you to be able to navigate your own mind or to feel worthwhile or to know how to understand things. And not having those experiences can cause you to be disordered or to not understand or to act out in damaging ways. And so apart, and this is aside from, you know, kind of you go through the DSM and you're like, here's all the big bad lists of behaviors that like makes you a jackass. It's like, well, there's also sometimes just things that you're missing, the positive, the beneficial, the thing that I mm. sometimes try to bring out to people. And um, particularly in getting through collapse, I think those are even more important. Like I tell people, um, like a lot of times on the forums, people are like, how do I be less narcissistic? Like, I feel so ashamed of my actions. I'm ruminating on it. And it's just like, you need more than that to have a life that is worth living or to be a something different than what brought you to this point. To just want to not be bad is almost suicidal of a degree. It's a negating force. It's a shame-based force. You need to have something that pulls you towards it, that you desire, that you want to be, that is soothing, joyful, uplifting, encouraging. And I have had that with a number of people or with arts and mediums or with just things that I enjoy or just things that I wanted to sort out or answers that... uh I still needed to seek that I still hungered for. And those are all things that I think if you have those, they can help you navigate uh, when times seem more difficult. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what you're saying about that nourishment provided by others, I think I didn't even notice, but a lot of people have helped me along the way. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, from the, the doctors in emergency departments, yeah, so many people have, and it was making me think about hospitalisation and how much effort people there put into you just to, you know, get you through the week or two weeks or however long you're there. And, uh, yeah, so, so a person, when I put out um, a request for some people's ideas on how they get through collapse, one person who was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder has said, what has helped me through collapse is being admitted to a ward. I needed to be surrounded by freaks and geeks, which I thought was a great one. <laughs> I need yep. the vacation from life and structure to regain my strengths. And certainly I felt that too. Just I could manage breathing and nothing else. So, you know, just to have someone with a clean bathroom and putting food down and changing the sheets and just being there was, was fantastic. Obviously that's, uh, yeah, a more painful collapse but yeah thank you to the people who help through those times um and then there are the the smaller ones where um a bit of uh, self-care that you provide so I know some people have talked about you know nice baths and walk outside and um, cuddling your pets just that kind of thing to look after yourself to get you through it and someone else has uh, said that there are a lot of people coming to the forum and getting you through the storm. So it's like having a little helper or just hearing from people who came out the other end has been helpful to them in getting them through that collapse. So, And we've definitely seen it. Um, that's the message that we want to give to people who are experiencing collapse is that it's incredibly painful. But, yeah. It happens. Just hang in there. <laughs> shit happens and you will, in so shit many ways. Happens <laughs> in so many ways. Um, ouch. But, yeah, hang in there. And, I mean, it's not nowadays there, there are so many resources and this podcast wants to feature them. So this is just the start. There's going to be lots of stories of how people got through, personal stories, but also um, actual therapies um, that people have found useful. We're going to be featuring those as well. Is there anything else you wanted to say, Few Award? Yeah, I guess I'll just wrap it up with uh, two points here that I think are interesting. So one was uh, what you were saying about the person sharing that they needed somewhere to go where it's just like a vacation from life surrounded by their peers um yes. you know, disordered fucks that they are and uh <laughs> yeah like you need you need sometimes a radical shift a radical break i've written about this sometimes that sometimes people actually seek their own dissolution or mortification to break out of the structures that have they've been in, in up until that point to see something different and to be able to grow past it sometimes you need these moments of uh things breaking or dissolving uh to be able to move past something that maybe has been a painful part of you for decades and uh yes because um a... i oh sorry yep yep go ahead I, I, no i was just gonna say i guess it, it is a crisis and a crisis is a turning point isn't it 
Absolutely. And so, yeah, you need a sometimes just that place where, you know, somebody just gives you a, a hot and a cot um, each day and a, what? Uh, help, a hot, hot, hot meal and a cot. <laughs> and um, I like that. <laughs> and yeah, so sometimes you you need those experiences. And then I guess the last point that I want to uh, talk about is uh, different solutions that you have to collapse and also just more broadly. And that is uh, retreating into nothingness versus persevering through pain. And I think that this mm. is uh, a large part of also uh, which disorder you have and what solutions you've decided to go through through life. Because uh, sometimes people will try to, you know, it's not even shameful, but uh, moving into nothingness is a way of uh, dissolving the pain by saying, well, you know, nothing matters and everything's worthless. And that is a, uh, a freeing and powerful place. And there is a lot of strength in actually being able to go to a place of meaninglessness and senselessness and looking at things from a different lens. Again, that's a part of that ability to like burn things to the ground before you build them anew um, versus persevering through the pain is when you actually feel like you do have things that are worthwhile, that positive that I talk about and you say, well, okay, I'm going to weather this pain, not by, uh, getting rid of everything, but by leaning even more deeply on those things I do have, the few that they are, but the powerful or uh, the things that, uh, you know, I feel are the most integral to me or the most uplifting. And so you do actually in that solution, feel the pain. Uh, but you say that it's worthwhile to not give up what you've built for yourself. And those are two different solutions i think to both collapses but also just to um different disorders that people have and i just thought it would be important to point out that uh that is a choice of a sort to make of how you want to deal with things that are brought to you mm, that sounds like a sorting process too you know, mm. going through it and deciding how you respond and um yeah what is worth keeping and what is worth letting go Oh, absolutely. If you can mm, do this, mm. if you can do that process intentionally or um, mm -hmm. kind of more with a fine tooth comb for each thing as you're going through, well, that's maturity and that's being ordered. Being mature and ordered is uh, not splitting between those and choosing one or the, to the exclusion of the other, but rather being able to dance between them as part of who you are and how you want to navigate the world. And then you build up this narrative of the things you've decided to let go and the things you've decided to cling to. And then uh, mm. you're just being yourself. Well, and that that's actually a really hopeful note to wrap up with that um, if you are in collapse, it is a crisis and uh, it's your opportunity. From now on, you're going to be getting out that fine tooth comb and God, it takes a long time and it's a lot of hard <laughs> <Indeed>. work. <laughs> Let's not lie. But wow, you know, you can you can slowly find that new path and It'll be uh, it'll be confusing. There'll be a huge overgrown forest there, and you're going to have to really hack your way through. But you will find those new paths, and, and you can you can make a new life for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, I don't think I can end it any better than there. So we should quit while we're ahead. <laughs> okay, then I'll see. You. <laughs> I'll see you next time for your award. Then sounds good. Okay. Nota. thanks for having me as always. Okay, bye. Bye.
The makers of PD Raw accept and embrace our guests and respect their honesty. Please be aware that understanding the hurt that makes people want to act out is not the same as condoning destructive behaviours. In fact, we hope that this podcast will contribute to helping people overcome negative and harmful patterns in themselves and in others. PD Raw is a project run by unpaid volunteers. We would love some help with paying for the podcast app. If you would like to donate just a small amount towards the cost, please click on the small globe icon in the top right of the podcast homepage. Thank you.